everybody, and welcome to Nintendo Week for the end of week of May 18th through May 24th. I'm your host, Colin McIsaac, and as always, I'm joined by Alex Plant. Uh, I'm feeling lazy this week. <laughs> Me too. And Ben Lamoureux. Is it alright to start getting excited about E3 now? Uh, I mean, if there's anything to get excited about. Wow. There's Zelda, right? 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 There, yeah, yeah, there's Zelda. There's, uh, if we're here on the normal day this week, surprise, surprise, most of you are probably like, what the hell is he talking about? But on Twitter, we announced we thought we had to postpone it by a day again this week, but at the last minute, the normal schedule worked out after all. So because of that, we didn't quite have a discussion segment planned yet, so we're just going to do a nice laid-back game corner. Uh, but before the break, of course, we got lots of news about Nintendo's movie endeavors, lots of talk about there, uh, plus tons of new info on ukulele, which is starting to look pretty cool, uh, all of that and more, so let's head into the news block. Tatsumi Kamishima, the president of Nintendo, sat down with a Japanese newspaper called Asahi Shimbun to discuss lots of various stuff, so we'll just take this subject by subject here. First up, Nintendo is looking into making more video content beyond just movies, although precisely what that means, Kamishima did not make clear. Uh, they do want to be directly involved with the process, though, and they're open to partnering with other companies to make it happen. This was in direct response to a question about the infamously awful Super Mario Bros. movie, where they Best just, movie ever. <laughs> they, they just licensed the IP and had pretty much nothing to do with the actual film. And because of that movie, Kamishima also hints that they're probably going to be avoiding live-action films, at least at the outset. Uh, they're in specific talks with potential partners right now, and Kamishima strongly intends on having the first release ready in under five years. What franchises they'll be using is top secret, of course. Kamishima understands there is a strong demand for a Zelda movie, but he dodged the question whether it will be Mario or Zelda uh, by saying they just want to use IP that people are very well familiar with to make a movie that everyone can enjoy. I find it interesting that he mentioned called out Zelda in particular because with the way they've been approaching the Zelda brand lately, and in particular the way they're going all in at this E3, part of me almost expected to see a Zelda movie show up at E3. Uh, something that would show uh, showcase the mm. the new branding that they're using, the new style, the new visuals, the new. Uh, it, it very much seems like a reboot of the franchise in some ways. So uh, any sort of uh, effort to get that that franchise image out there uh, would be great, and I'm sure movies would be a really good way to do that. Yeah, yeah. I think it's probably too early to show off a Zelda movie yet, but if they give it this this huge build up and this big launch, and then it comes out and it is very successful as a cross launch title on Wii U NX. And it helps to sort of boost NX sales and things like that, and uh, it really starts to establish itself. I could see them then using the success of the game to to kick off the movie and to really bring the Zelda brand to more people. Yeah, and I don't know that they would be doing it quite so soon now because yeah, like Ben, you were sort of hinting at there this current iteration of Zelda is really untested. They may be putting a lot behind it, but, you know, I, I feel like, especially in something like movies where Nintendo is just so new to that entire medium, I feel like they would... You know, Zelda is something so special to them and to people who like Zelda that it's something I think they would really want to make sure they know how to make movies really, really well before they actually try something with that franchise. Because, you know, if they make a mediocre Zelda film, especially if it's a game that then doesn't really end up taking off, that's a lot of eggs in a failing basket. So I think And they're... hell hath no fury like an angry Zelda fan. <laughs> and Zelda fans are basically always angry, so... <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. yeah, I'll agree with that to some extent. I guess I just see Zelda as probably the best choice to make a film. Yeah. Just because the story and universe are already most of the way there. 
Um, mm-hmm. I don't really see, like, for example, I don't really see a Mario movie having kind of the same impact. Although we just had the uh, Angry Birds movie, and that's yeah. apparently pretty successful. So, uh, who knows? Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, I, I think the trick in adapting Mario would especially be figuring out, like, you know, what what can you even do with those characters? Do you want to tell a story with Mario and Luigi and Peach and Toad and Bowser? Or do you want to tell a story with Mario you know, just running off to go rescue Peach from Bowser. Do you yeah. want to, you know, do you want to tell something more like Super Mario Bros or more like, I want to say Super Mario 3D World because I feel like that's sort of the the identity of Mario that they want to, you know, go out there at least with. Visually, but at the same time, yeah. yeah. But at the same time, Galaxy has more of that sort of narrative pull in a way. Um I think the weird yeah. thing for me for Mario is with the way the games have kind of the game stories have kind of been told and the way the game's worlds have been presented, it's hard for me to kind of imagine that being something that's fleshed out in this cohesive like hour and a half, two hour. Yeah, I mean, I think film. they're really going to have to, you know, not adapt any game or any identity from Mario. I think they're really just going to have to build up a, the idea of a Mario movie from the ground up, set it in the Mushroom Kingdom, you know, use the same sorts of characters and enemies and, and locales, but, you know, do something or, completely original. Or uh, go the Paper Mario for, route for and use going. different that's, kinds of characters and places and locales. <laughs> you know, that's actually, I was going to say, Paper Mario is the best single game that they could adapt into a Mario movie because it binds them, to, well, it, it doesn't bind them to this, all these problems we're talking about with Mario. At the same time, it presents a unique aesthetic for the Mario universe that people can look at the movie and it's all made out of paper craft and like they can do so much creative stuff there visually. Uh, you know, and and in a way, Mario's sort of selling the movie, but the movie is built around the idea of that it's, you know, all this paper stuff is going on. And in that way, it's really creative and inspiring and, and doesn't sort of, um, you know, th- there's something else to it. And it's not just an adaption of Mario, but it's a visual spectacle as well. Mario would be a little more the marketing side of things, whereas, uh, you know, the, the papercraft setting would be like the charm of it, I think, that would really yeah. hook people. Yeah, and th- I feel like the Paper Mario sort of story is easier to adapt to. I also think this timeline that Kamishima gave is kind of interesting because it's similar to what with what Nintendo is doing with their theme parks and stuff, where uh, they said we're not going to form partnerships unless we think they're going to be you know long term ventures and we're going to take our time and be careful with them. And they said mm-hmm. they were in talks with Universal for five years before they finally announced anything. And so we're right. seeing a similar timeline here, where recently they announced you know we're talking to partners, we want to work on movies. And we want it done five years from now, or or within five years, I guess you could say this time. Yeah, that but, you know, seems it's, sort it's, of be to be like the cap. That was the longest out yeah. there you could even imagine. But it's it's the same mentality where Nintendo's like, we're going to try new things, but we have to make damn sure that we get them right. So we're going to take yeah. our time and we're going to make sure we have partners that we can trust. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. And I wouldn't be surprised to see Universal humming the films because they're going to want a piece of that if they're doing the theme parks. Uh. I would be just because I I don't know. I don't. Pref- univ- I don't prefer them to do the movies. <laughs> yeah, I, d- I don't but. see it happening. I'm not quite sure why. It seems like they would be going after Universal specifically for the theme parks and not for you know this sort of. Yeah, that's fair. Anyway, um, yeah, I, I don't really know how to finish my thought there, but. For some yeah, reason, it, it, doesn't it doesn't necessarily feel right to me likely. either, but it feels like something that probably eh, is at least being be. discussed. Could be. 
Yeah. Um, they shifted gears towards Nintendo's mobile plans, and Kamishima reiterated that they'd like mobile games to work together with traditional Nintendo hardware. Obviously, the immediate thought is their next console, the NX, but it could be even sooner, it seems like. When the interviewer asked if this comment meant Nintendo 3DS, Kamishima said, I don't think you'd be wrong to imagine such. So he made it very clear, too, that Nintendo knows its fans aren't made of money, and mobile games are often monetized way too little, and they make no money, or way too much, and they hurt their fans, or at least their fans' bank accounts. So he says Nintendo is working hard to find a safer middle ground that can satisfy everyone for that sort of pricing model. Yeah, and that just seems pretty par for the course. Uh, That's Mm -hmm. sort of what they've been saying all along since they announced their mobile plans is we want to make money off of this, but our main main point is to get as many people engaged as possible. So we're trying to draw in as many customers as possible from different walks of life and, you know, different countries. Just get as big of a fan base as possible and get a little bit of money from each one of them for, you know, a cumulative large amount of money from from all of them collectively. Right. I think the the big thing here, I think, is that they could communicate with the Nintendo 3DS in some way. Which I feel like must have some kind of... There must be some sort of OS update for the 3DS or something that would need to make that... You know, that you would need in order to make that possible. Like, I wonder how this is going to work, because the 3DS was built so long before they had any idea that they would even want this to be possible. Like, the the reason I would imagine... They could do, like, QR code-related content, couldn't they? I guess so. But, man, that's... Ew. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, looking at the way 3DS has historically interacted, even with the, the online systems they designed for the 3DS, yeah. It's yeah. Just, I can't imagine it being a good enough experience that I would want them to have their first mobile uh, game system crossover to be on 3DS. Yeah. I mean, I guess we'll see what happens. We know, because Animal Crossing and Fire Emblem have both been ridiculously successful on 3DS, so I think that might have something to do with it, mm-hmm. and that these are the first two games coming out. They're coming out... They're both coming out by the end of the year, it's safe to assume, because they've got five coming out by the end of March Yeah, they, they said fall was the target for both of the games, I believe. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's not crazy to imagine that they would interact with the 3DS games, but you're right. I, no, I agree with you that it seems like it would just be way too clunky to, you know, that, it, that it's worth it. I would rather have, you know, these games come out and be their own self-contained experiences that, that work how, I mean, however they work, and then when sort of the inevitable nx versions of these games come out then you can then those games can communicate with the mobile versions yeah i for sure would hope it'd be original games and not the existing for example like you said fire emblem and animal crossing games yeah i wouldn't want them to be to have to like re-engineer parts of those games to work with mobile i don't think that would be a good idea Mm -hmm. what i would imagine isn't so much re-engineering parts of those games rather building a mobile game around the limitations of these pre-existing games and by limitations i mean that they had no consideration for mobile whatsoever um so then the mobile experiences would be built around this really weird unintentional interface where it's not supposed to communicate with mobile in any way but then it kind of has to like i i hope i hope neither version mobile or handheld slash console suffers for it and i feel like with 3ds it will yeah And finally, they turned their discussion to the NX, which Kamishima reiterated was pushed to 2017 to ensure it had a strong software lineup. And more interestingly, he said, it's something very new. The hardware, the software lineup, all of it is something I would like to play for the very first time myself. Yeah, his comment makes me wonder. So since he's a business guy and not really so much a games guy, I'm wondering if this is him basically tacitly admitting 
I don't really play a lot of video games, even on Nintendo <laughs> consoles. But I'm interested in NX. That was kind of what I was thinking as well. Because um, that would be really cool, I think. Yeah, I was wondering the same thing. You know, he said that I would like to play conditional wood. Uh, so it's kind of hard to tell. Plus, I mean, it's translated from Japanese, so who knows? Yeah, but, who knows? Uh, so right. it's, it's kind of hard to tell if if what he's saying is, you know, if I were a gamer, I would like to play this. Or if I hadn't already played it for the first time, yeah. I would like to play yeah. it for the first time. Yeah. You know, it, it's... There's so many different things that it could mean. Yeah, unfortunately, it's a little hard for me to get excited about these kind of teasers just because mm-hmm. they've revealed zero official details. Yeah. So it's kind of like, we're not going to tell you anything about this console, but I've already got one, and I love it. Yeah. <laughs> also, there's that whole dimension of, of course, Nintendo's going to say that their hardware is great. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. Until uh, they realize it's not posthumously. <laughs> that happens sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, speaking of all of these different, you know, crazy developments, though, Nintendo has also updated its Articles of Incorporation to prepare for, quote, business diversification as they enter the movie industry and license their characters and all that jazz. Uh, most of the changes were little wording things or consolidating some points together. Like, for example, they used to have a copyright licensing and a trademark licensing point listed separately, but then they got rid of both of those and replaced them with just one IP licensing point. Um, But there were two additions, development, manufacturing, and sale of medical devices and health devices, which is obviously referring to the whole QOL thing Iwata was pushing, and development, manufacturing, and sale of computer software, which I don't have any idea how to interpret Yeah, on the Um, first point, I think it's a little interesting that uh, after Iwata passed away, we didn't hear anything about uh, QOL for a long time, mm -hmm. and then when we finally did hear something about it, it was, oh, it's on hiatus, and then, yeah, it's pretty much trashed. Uh, And now they've, like... Well, that was just the one device, remember? Yeah, just the the one device. But now they've actually altered their articles of incorporation to mention it, which is something that it didn't do before. So Mm -hmm. it does kind of sound like they've uh, started to ramp up those plans again. And I'm with you, where I'm not exactly sure what they're going for with the, uh, the computer software thing it's so vague that it could be just about anything yeah yeah because uh a lot of companies think of computer software as being a catch-all for not just uh you know stuff that you install on a computer but stuff that you access through a computer web browser Mm -hmm. stuff that you use on mobile devices which are basically mobile computers so i it, it could mean any of those things or it could mean traditional computer software we just we just don't know well if it's stuff that's accessed through a web browser or on mobile devices you know, it says the manufacturing and sale of the software. So I wonder, I mean, you know, I feel like this could mean anything from, like, clocks and, like, widgets and stuff like that to, like, I wonder if they're considering making computer games in some way. Nintendo like is not... developing Half-Life 3 exclusively for <laughs> If we say it on the podcast, it comes true. But then it's not computer software. They're um they're going third party, obviously. Oh my god! I mean, what else can you what else can you <laughs> conclude from this? Yeah, no, I mean, I, it, I don't think that's it, but I don't know. It's 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 odd. Do do we feel like it's even worth reading into? I find it. I I, do, I will say I do find it interesting that uh, they had a, a line item for games, and this line item does not say games. It says software. So I'm wondering if there's something there to read into. 
Um, because if they wanted to say computer games, they could have done what they had done previously right. and said computer games. And not right. only that, but the previous category about games would have caught computer games in it because it's more generic. It doesn't really talk about it even being software. It's just games. Right. Right. So uh, if this really is kind of a new business line, it's got to be something different than games. All right. Next up, something totally unexpected. N- Nintendo has abandoned its trademark for Hyrule Warriors. Um so this is totally unexpected and also totally crazy, but for that reason, I don't think it's anything to freak out about, right? Like, it's probably just some sort of mistake in the legal process that they overlooked. Yeah, I mean, it was way more successful than Nintendo and Koei Tecmo were expecting, and I think everyone's mm-hmm. been predicting a sequel. So I can't see this as an intentional move. It, it seems right. like someone forgot to file some paperwork or something. Right. Well, and I mean, they've got all this DLC on the way still, yeah. so like, there's no way... If there's products in this line still coming, like, you can't abandon the trademark for it intentionally. That seems... I mean, on the flip side, I could see it being a thing where Nintendo has decided that this game is popular enough that they no longer need to front uh, Koei Tecmo as far as uh, bringing it outside of Japan. Uh, Koei Tecmo might be taking on the responsibility for this IP themselves and not uh, relying on Nintendo as much. Uh, Maybe, but, I mean, it's still... It's still Nintendo's IP. It's still all their characters. It's their their world. So I would imagine, you know, if anyone gets a trademark, it would still be Nintendo. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's one of those weird things because this is this is in some ways a a crossover IP between you know the Legend of Zelda and the Warriors uh, franchises. So it's hard to say what its legal status is in that case. Was it just Nintendo licensing out their characters to? Uh, Koei Tecmo to use in a Warriors game, or was it Nintendo and Koei Tecmo co-developing a what they would consider a new franchise, like a totally new franchise? Like I don't, I feel I don't like know it's the, the latter, given from. the comments we heard from Onuma and from. Well, it know, feels to me like the latter, process. but just yeah. kind of trying to throw out potential reasons why this could be the case. I mean, more than likely, right. it's just it's just a, a hiccup, it's or just a an oversight step, right? But um. If it's going to mean right. something, I would imagine it means something more along the lines of uh, Koei Tecmo taking over. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, and last up in the news block, Platonic Games revealed a ton of new information about ukulele, including information about its collectibles, gameplay, and more. They also revealed a few new characters in the basic premise of the game's story, which is about an ingenious tech development company being sold to an evil corporation which run is by a villain awesome. named Oh <laughs> yeah, uh, so run mad. by a villain named Capital B, spelled with just a capital letter B, and he is a bumblebee. Um, you can check it all out at Gamnesia.com for more in-depth info. But they also said that the Toy Box mode will be available in July for all their Kickstarter backers, and you'll be able to run around in it and enjoy all the platforming goodness before the game comes out. Yeah, I, I feel like that has to be a, an intentional dig at Microsoft. Uh, I mean, I know... Oh, totally. Most of the developers have been fairly gracious about how the situation was handled, but I know some of them have uh, have had some harsh things to say about Microsoft. For so, sure. And this this is probably coincidental, but I also think it's funny that uh, Balmer used to be the CEO mm-hmm. of Microsoft and the, uh, yeah, the villain in this game is Capital B. Yeah, or oh, even yeah. if it's not Balmer, then, you know, Bill Gates. Bill Gates. Like, yeah, that's also the possibilities I, are endless. He looks a little bit more like Balmer to me, but yeah, he's also I'll, got a, a really that. long nose, so who knows? <laughs> he he um, could be both. Either, yeah, either way, I mean, it's... It's uh it's it's amusing to say the least. <laughs> yes. 
Um, what I'm most excited about beyond the story being awesome is when I first saw this game, I thought it looked... You know, I, I liked the idea that rare, old extra-rare developers were peddling a new franchise that was modeled after Banjo-Kazooie. Uh, the characters looked mm-hmm. like they could be interesting, but when I first saw the, the first like mock-up screenshots, the game and the world itself looked a little bland to me. But seeing these yeah. latest screenshots, it looks amazing. Um, mm-hmm. I love the the other characters that they've shown. I love the the way the pages look and things like that. Uh, the, yeah. the art style is like oozing with that old old school rare style, and I love it. Oh, totally! I was thinking so much. The um, there's this great the screenshot, especially of Yuka and Lele underwater trying to mm-hmm. get this pagey. Totally reminds me of this. Uh, promo artwork from Donkey Kong Country 2 where Diddy and Dixie are swimming. Yeah. Uh, I think it's in Lockjaw's locker or yeah. something like that. Um, like, it, it's just all so gorgeous and really reminds me of Rare's heyday, so I'm really stoked. Yeah, you know, I think everyone was a little concerned just by how little we'd seen of the game and how bare the sort of demo they should... Like, yeah, it looked pretty and the characters, you know, you could see their their movements were great and everything. But they said at the mm-hmm. time, we just wanted to set up sort of a little play box where we could show off how the characters interact with the world. And uh, their sort of news blackout over the past few months was intentional. But now that they've dropped this, they said, you know, the announcements are going to keep coming. So I expect we'll see a lot of E3, cool. and we know they're coming yeah. to E3. And I'm really hoping it's playable on the show floor. Yeah. Oh, me too. Outside of uh, Zelda and the rumored Resident Evil 7, that's, like, the game I most want to play on the show floor. Mm-hmm. And we know, too, how, you know, just how much the core gameplay and moving around and, and interacting with the world mm-hmm. is so crucial to 3D platformers like that. I mean, you know, Miyamoto famously developed Mario and the control scheme before anything else in Mario 64. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Banjo-Kazooie just running around Spiral Mountain and doing stuff, pressing buttons, even if you're not pressing them at anything, is some of the most fun stuff you can do in that game. And so, you know, that core gameplay really makes a breaks a 3d platformer and so if you know if it's fun to do i'm sure they're gonna want to haul it out at e3 and show everybody you know even if there's nothing all that substantial you can interact with just having something that's ridiculously fun is gonna do wonders at e3 and i kind of wonder they say that the uh the toy box for backers is going to be available in july so i kind of wonder if maybe we'll get a version of that at e3 because it's supposed to be they describe it as a self-contained, spoiler-free area in which you can have fun and get used to the game. So I, yeah. I kind of imagine we'll see something similar at E3. If not the actual toy box, then a sort of prototype for it. Yeah, agreed. Well, it sounds like that is about it for the news block, so we will head over to the lightning round. We've now arrived at the beloved lightning round, where we give you little nuggets of information from the past week. If you want to read more about any of these stories, or any of the ones we discussed earlier, you can check them out at Gamnesia.com. The latest podcast episode will show up in the scrolling feature bar at the top of the site, and on that page you will see all these links. Alright, so first up, recent releases and stuff that is now available to you. On Wii U, you can now get Poke Park Wii, Pikachu's Adventure on the eShop, as well as Pixel Jump Monsters, Sweetest Thing, and Chompy Chomp Chomp Party. On 3DS, Fire Emblem Fates Birthright and Conquest are now available in Europe, while new story DLC for the game is available in North America, alongside the Wind Waker Master Quest DLC in Hyrule Warriors Legends. Retro gaming fans can now get Contra 3 The Alien Wars on the new 3DS's Virtual Console. Pokemon players can download a shiny Eveltal through Mystery Gift. That ends tomorrow, so be sure to grab yours soon. And you can pre-order both versions of Yokai Watch 2. On both systems, Medley is now available for free in Hyrule Warriors, and you can now pre-order the Kirby series and Isabella Amiibo on Amazon. 
Then we've got a bunch of upcoming dates to look out for. May 26th, tomorrow, Mario Hoops 3 on 3 launches on the Wii U Virtual Console in Europe. Also May 26th, Square Enix is holding a live stream to celebrate Dragon Quest's 30th anniversary. May 29th is your last day to get the Inkling gear in Mitomo. That darn shirt is like my worst enemy. I cannot get it. Oh my god, I hate <laughs> Mitomo Drop. Uh, June 1st, Pokemon players can download Manaphy over Wi-Fi and Mystery Gift until June 24th. And June 2nd, more news on Pokemon Sun and Moon is coming. And this time, uh, just like the when we got the most recent trailer, I believe it was uh, Game Freak or someone affiliated with the Pokemon company that teased this rather than, like, Coral Coral Magazine or something. Because for, like, three months in a row now, they've been like, oh, yeah, next month we've got a big scoop. And then every time it's, like, one or two sentences. But this mm-hmm. is actually, you know, straight from the horse's mouth. And last time we got that sort of news, it was the big trailer that revealed the starters and everything. So hopefully yeah. it's something substantial. Yeah. And then, finally, a rundown of all the smaller things that happened this week. Pokémon Tournament's developers said fans want them to raise the franchise. Amazon's listings for Pokémon Sun and Moon says that there will be multiple islands. Amazon's listing for Paper Mario Color Splash suggests it will have some kind of special edition. A data miner discovered data for Squid Sisters costumes in Super Mario Maker. And we were all surprised. (laughs) Super Mario Maker got an update changing how some things work in the course world. Star Fox Zero's developers said they wouldn't revisit its wacky camera system in the future. Bayonetta's the only character that got changed in the latest and maybe last Smash Bros. patch. And there was much rejoicing. Videos of Minecraft's Super Mario mashup pack have been getting copyright strikes. We also learned that Mojang and 4J Studios were the ones who had the idea for the mashup pack, and Damon Baker said fans should be vocal about what other series they want to see in Minecraft from Nintendo. The answer is still Zelda. Yes. (laughs) Zelda, then uh, Metroid and Donkey Kong secondarily. Mm, Nice. Nintendo won't have a booth at GDC 2017. Psyonix would consider porting Rocket League to NX. My Nintendo will offer rewards over email in Europe. Sonic Advance 3 is coming to the Wii U Virtual Console in Japan, but no word on a Western launch for the trilogy. And Sega teased that they're working on a new Sonic game. One of the shoe boxes for Nintendo's vans will look like an NES, and the other has tons of Mario characters all over it. Monopoly is getting a collector's edition Super Mario Bros. version. Japan's getting a Mario-themed Uno deck and a new 3DS bundle with Dragon Ball fusions and relatedly-themed faceplates. Phoenix Wright is getting his own Figma figure. Cordelia from Fire Emblem Awakening is getting a gorgeous statuette. And there are a ton of adorable new Pokemon plushies on the way, including Pikachu in a graduation cap and gown. A fan made a Super Mario Maker level with a hilarious boss called Mecha Bowzilla. Some guy beat New Super Mario Bros. 2 without collecting a single coin. Just thinking about that is stressing me the hell out. (laughs) (laughs) A police officer replaced a young boy's stolen Pokemon cards with some of his own. And Japanese gamers voted Chikorita as the most seriously useless starter Pokemon. Okay, first of all, who decided to hold this poll? Because what the (laughs) hell? That's so mean. uh, But secondly, I... Totally get why Chikorita would, because A, everyone knows Grass-type Pokemon are the inferior starter, and B, the first two gyms in gold are a flying-type gym and a bug-type gym, so if you pick Chikorita, you're kind of boned at the start. And none of the other six are even weak to grass anyway. No. Uh, But that's all we got for this week's news, but stay tuned, because after the break, we will be right back with the Game Corner to talk about everything we've been up to lately in the world of Nintendo. In the meantime, please enjoy Bulby's Banjo-Kazooie-style rendition of the Jungle World theme from Ukulele.
more Nintendo Week. I'm your host, Colin McIsaac, still joined by Alex Plant. And I still don't have a tagline. And Ben LeMoreau. He stole mine. There's not much going on this week, and like we mentioned earlier, we hadn't quite prepared a second half of the show for you guys, because some schedule issues. But we've got a nice laid-back Game Corner segment coming up, so let's head on over. And here we are with the Game Corner, a segment where we shoot the breeze about games that have just come out, or games that we've been playing lately, etc. Um... I have been playing simultaneously way, way, way too much and not nearly enough in the world of Nintendo, uh, so I don't really have a lot to say. Alex, do you want to start us off? Um, I'm kind of in the same boat as you. So you yeah. and I had a conversation a few days ago that uh, we were trying to find games to kind of scratch our Zelda itch because there's no yeah. Zelda coming out this year. Yeah. So I've been trying to wrap up Dark Souls 3, which I'm sure I've talked up on the podcast about being a great uh, Zelda-like game from a like combat yeah. and, and enemy perspective. Uh, it's really more of a Metroidvania game from like a world design perspective. So in that case, in that sense, it's really a nice fusion. <laughs> hey. Um, and then I've also I also bought The Witcher Three, which I've been sort of chipping away mm-hmm. at slowly. Uh, it's a very I won't say very different than what I expected, but um, a lot of things feel a little differently than I expected. So I haven't played that game yet, but my uh, my roommate has it on PC. And it is, I think, one of the most uh, realistic-feeling worlds, I would say. Like, more than yeah. almost any other mm. video game world mm-hmm. I, I've seen so far. Like, you actually sort of believe that this is a world that you're, like, traversing around in with varied terrain and, you know, more than three colors and stuff. Yeah, yeah, I love the way the world looks. Yeah, and my roommate has it on PS4, and I, I got the exact same feeling from that. Um, I actually got The Witcher 3 recently as well. Um, I haven't tried it yet, though, so... I don't have any comments. I know you said on Twitter that you were kind of disappointed in what I was, you've seen at The Witcher so far. Can you elaborate it, on that? A lot of it. So the the game world looks great. Um, it's, mm-hmm. it's really colorful, which is, was a nice change of pace from like Skyrim, which I've also played. So boring. Um, yeah, it's so gray, which is which is sad because I, I like a lot of things that's, that are going on there, but it's just it's just not fun to look at. Whereas Witcher mm. 3 is very colorful and everything pops. Um, but the thing that yeah. I found disappointing so far is that a lot of the game systems and, and the menus just don't really gel with me. Um, like, I still really? enjoy the story. I enjoy uh, how fleshed out everything is. I enjoy the characters. Like, all, all those things are great. Um, exploring is still pretty great. But um, it's just everything kind of feels a little cheap and off. And that could be because, mm. you know, we're Nintendo fans and we're used to things having really stellar gameplay that, that grabs people and, and just feels right to play. Um, well, yeah, I find typically Western-style games, and especially games that have been inspired in many ways by Zelda, like The Witcher certainly has been, just don't really quite cut it gameplay-wise, um, yeah. especially with the combat yeah. and the controls. Yeah, especially the combat. It's, mm-hmm. all, it's all very loose, and you know, in that sense, it's really hard to sort of transition off of Nintendo games, especially like Zelda. Um over to western style games because the con- the way that you are moving your fingers is just so different and so much worse in in these western style games uh i i don't know how they haven't figured out how to fix that yet uh yeah. nintendo could do it in 1998 but yeah um it's kind of funny that you mentioned that because uh one of my buddies has been playing 
uh, The Witcher 3 on my uh, my roommate's computer. Mm-hmm. And I also got him started on Ocarina of Time, because he's never played that before. And mm-hmm. he, he loves Dark Souls, he loves The Witcher, he's having a blast with both of those games. And he it is a... Uh, it is a labor for him to get Ocarina of Time. The controls are killing him. And also, I think, really? a little bit the just dated graphics in general in game. Well, uh, that I'm sure. But, yeah, yeah. The, he's he's having a little bit of a trouble with the timing and the control scheme. So it might just kind of be that since we're so uniquely familiar with with uh, the Zelda franchise, that it's, it's kind of hard for us to transition to those Western-style games. Maybe, but there's a certain latency to those Western-style controls that mm-hmm. isn't there in Zelda. Like, like Zelda especially Zelda, is so much more responsive. I feel like if yeah. you're having trouble transitioning from Western-style games to Zelda, it's because you're putting the attacks in sooner than you would expect to have to. And in that way, it's like, then that's another symptom of the Western-style games getting it wrong. You know what right. I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's not just it's not just button inputs. The, the, the underpinning kinetics of the game, like the way the characters yeah, move completely. and stuff like that is so... Completely. Uh, so much more, like you said, responsive. Uh, I think probably mm-hmm. that is a, a symptom of, well, I say symptom like it's a bad thing. That's probably a f- uh, byproduct of Nintendo sort of starting out in the arcade days when you really needed everything yeah. to have really great Twitch reflexes. Um, right, and well, I think that's something that they've emphasized to this day, not just because of their arcade roots, but because that's, well, maybe it is because of their arcade roots, but it's something that, especially like Miyamoto, we were talking about this just earlier, like, he designed Mario 64's controls and that, you know, Castle Grounds first to make sure it was fun to play and be yeah. and very responsive and direct and kinetic. And so that's something that I think sort of dissipates to the rest of their games, um, whereas these Western-style studios and games just don't really have that. Like, right. I remember I had the same problem when I played GTA V. You know, I have it playing. I just started Dark Souls 2, um, and it's there. I was there the whole time I was watching my roommate play The Witcher. Like, it's something about all these games. They just haven't figured out that responsiveness that you need. And and maybe it's because people who are used to Western-style games don't need it and don't want it and are, are kind of used to that non-responsiveness. But it that that is a, the kinetics I find to be a real problem there. Um, and I just don't understand why Western-style studios haven't tried to address that yet. Yeah, yeah, I'll agree. Um, I find it interesting that you brought up that Dark Souls has it too, because I do agree with you. But I think, you know, Dark Souls as a Japanese game still feels a lot closer to the sort of uh, reflex-based action that you'd expect from from a from a Nintendo type game, uh, maybe I haven't gotten enough into it that I can really say for sure though. Yeah, there's still like a little delay, but there's there's a big mm-hmm. gulf between trying to, to to do combat in Dark Souls and trying to do combat in The Witcher. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like I have more control of my character in Dark Souls because I feel like the game was designed about your character being fun to control. Whereas in The Witcher, I feel like sure. the game was designed about having these RPG systems that are really deep. Um, sure. And uh, Nintendo games are about being simple, not about being deep, but then not fun to control. Right. Well, and, and sort of a byproduct of that simplicity is that the controls are really tight and responsive and, you know... It's you don't need to adjust for any sort of delays or or weird quirks in the controls because if you're gonna press a button, then it's gonna do the thing when you press the button. That's yeah. simplicity. Right. So. Right. Um. Okay. Ben, how about you? Yeah. Unlike you two heathens, I've actually been playing a <laughs> Nintendo game the past week. So. Hey, which... I've been playing a ton, <laughs> but just hardly any of any of them. I I did chip away a little at Xenoblade Chronicles X. That's a thing. Uh-huh. Uh, anyway, go ahead, Ben. Yeah, so I've been playing... Uh, well, 
specifically with with uh, Zelda U slash NX slash whatever the heck you want to call it. With that coming up, I kind of just had the itch to to play some old Zelda games and uh, just sort of get a feel for what I like about some of the the past games and kind of what I want to see in the upcoming one. So I've been playing Wind Waker HD on Wii U, and I've mm-hmm. for the most part been having a blast with it. Uh, it has my favorite introduction of any Zelda game. Like, the music and the artwork and the story being told and the references to Ocarina of Time and all that. Like, I just think mm-hmm. that's such oh, an so awesome you mean like, intro. You mean, like, the intro, like, Legend, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, I thought you meant the, the Outset Island and everything. Oh, okay. no, I mean Outset Island. I'm glad fun. I clarified that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, me too. I'm totally with you on that. Yeah. yeah. Followed, I think, closely by Skyward Sword. Um, Skyward Sword was also really great. Yeah, that was pretty yeah, good. Skyward Sword did have a very good one. So, I I absolutely love the visuals, of course, and I, to this day, don't really understand why people got so pissy in 2001 when it was unveiled <laughs> or whatever, but uh, they're just, it's such a charming world. Like, it's it's similar yeah. to Captain Toad Treasure Tracker, where I just kind of want to, like, live in that world. That's <laughs> another one I played a little bit of today. <laughs> yeah, that's good. You should play a lot of it. Um, yeah, I'm trying to. Anyway, and go ahead. I, I think it's great, the especially the way that visual style has just allowed the game to age so well. I mean, I'm I'm playing the Wii U version, but even the GameCube version, honestly, like of course it looks better than Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask because you know they were on the the previous console. But honestly, right. I think it looks better than Twilight Princess, and in some regards, even Skyward Sword, just because they knew what they were capable of. They didn't try to do more than that, and they just yeah. made it as polished as possible and chose a really interesting art style. And that's that's one reason that I'm sort of positively looking forward to Zelda U is because I think they're doing it again. I, I really like what we've seen of the art style for that too, and I think it's another one where it's it's going to be sort of a timeless look. I, I guess maybe the one com- not complaint, but maybe the one uh, concern I would have is that they've got such a focus on this huge overworld that uh, they have to make sure that it can look that good everywhere and that it can be an interesting overworld to explore and not just one that's yeah. visually entrancing too, which is a little bit of a problem with Wind Waker. Um, I love how open the game gets after you've you know got the first few uh, the not pendants, but the uh, the pearls or whatever. Uh, yeah. And after you do all that and pull the Master Sword, the game really opens up. But I feel like, even though there's a bajillion islands to explore and everything, a lot of them are kind of small and not content-heavy, and there's a whole lot yeah. of empty space on the overworld. So mm-hmm. that's something that I don't want to see Zelda U, uh, you know, I don't want them to, to do that again. I, I love the visual style, and I hope they then flesh out the overworld more. And I'm hopeful that they will, just because of how many times they've delayed this and the the nature of the delays, yeah. the way they talked about it. So, yeah, just just sort of playing Wind Waker and exploring this beautiful but kind of empty world has me, has me thinking a lot about Zelda U. Mm-hmm. Um, and thank Nehru for the swift sale. Like, <laughs> it makes the game yeah, you know, so much I, easier. When I first encountered Wind Waker, I was at this like really rough time in my life where I was like in a wheelchair, and so the leisureliness of just sailing was really like therapeutic for me. So I actually, Hmm. when I was playing through wind waker again, uh, I was, I didn't necessarily enjoy it more because I was going faster, but I was very surprised by how quickly the game was breezing by. Like I did, I a hundred percent of that game in like 12 hours, which which I didn't even think was possible. Like Hmm. I thought it would have taken much longer for me anyway. So I think that's an interesting observation. Yeah. Um, I like also what you said about the islands sort of feeling bare bones, Mm -hmm. uh, because I think it it raises kind of an interesting point, which is that 
you said that you felt like they just didn't have a lot of content, like a lot of stuff to do on them, I guess is what I thought you meant. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think if Zelda U is going to focus too much on trying to have stuff to do everywhere, the world's going to feel kind of artificial. So I think Mm -hmm. I'd kind of iterate off of what you said and say that instead of having sort of like gameplay type content squeezed into every square inch, um, every area should at least be interesting, whether it's interesting to look at, just interesting to walk Mm -hmm. around in, um, you know, different in some way than the areas around it. Like all those things can be just as compelling as having something to do, like some task to do from a gameplay perspective. Yeah, that's a good point. And I hope that the areas that do have a gameplay-oriented task to fulfill, I hope that those tasks are, first of all, not ridiculously obvious. Because if you look at, and the the example that comes immediately to mind right now, just because I've been playing it lately, is Hyrule Warriors, where, like, the rocks that you bomb are these giant things in the middle of the... You can't miss them, ever. Mm -hmm. Yep. And, uh... To some extent, that draws from, like, the way that the bombable rocks were in Wind Waker and uh, some others, maybe. I I really hope that the cues are not so obvious. Like, for example, something that you can grab with the hookshot, I hope, isn't a blue and red target like it was in Skyward Sword. Yeah. I hope it's, like, a, a rock sort of protruding out in a weird way. That's, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I hope it's not, you gotta, like scan the world at every game you know at every camera angle and and be ridiculously meticulous it doesn't need to be metroid prime right um so i hope they balance that well well you know i could see them finding ways to kind of get around the idea of it being a pixel hunt because i agree with you Mm -hmm. that like when the things that you can bomb apart are really obvious it's not fun anymore like i'd love to see cracked walls that are actually you have to really be paying attention to spot them but i think if they leverage the map correctly if and if in particular if they leverage the map the way they did in wind waker where you can get maps that kind of show you where secrets are Mm -hmm. they can get around Mm. that problem where you the things are too so obscure you can't find them but at the same time like you wouldn't necessarily need a map to find this bombable wall if you're paying attention but you know, if you missed it, yeah. then you'll know. Oh, there's there might be something here that I should go back to if you if you find the map later or something like that. Yeah, and that was another point I was going to bring up. I, I'd say I have some notes written down, but it's really more like the ramblings of a madman. Um, <laughs> and so one of the things I have on there is that I I really enjoy just sort of the sense of adventure of Wind Waker. I think it probably yeah. has more of that than any other 3D Zelda. Uh, just adventure and exploration, and a big part of that is how you have to decipher clues and hunt for treasure, and you have to uncover the map bit by bit. I mean, I think there's like yeah. 49 squares. Whereas in a lot of more recent Zelda games, it's like, oh, you reached a new area. Here's one-fourth of the whole map filled in for you. Boom, there you go. So I I hope... I'm not real... I I don't necessarily think this is going to happen based on what we've seen. I'm going to kind of assume it won't happen. But it would be nice if Zelda U did something similar to that, where you know it, it unveiled the map to you in chunks as you discovered new areas, as opposed to just revealing huge sections of land or almost the whole map earlier. Sure. Sure. And and jumping back to what you were saying, Alex, about um, about sort of the clues and the different kinds of maps that can reveal secrets, I hope that however they iterate on Miiverse with the NX, um, and obviously Miiverse for the Wii U version, uh, that they integrate that well in a way to... Uh, for Zelda U that you can that you can really uh, get those clues without having to as you said pixel hunt um, yeah. or without yeah. having you know these really obvious protrusions um, like actually I mentioned I had just started Dark Souls I played for like an hour about an hour ago um, 
And the way that they do, like they have this messaging system that's very similar to Miiverse in that you'll be walking around and there's a sort of little like glowing clue on the ground and that way you know you can read those and those are left from other players that will say you know like try this spell or this is a trap (laughs) so yeah that was that's always been something that i've imagined would be brought in uh i know back in 2013 when when we first kind of heard about the new zelda game uh, aonuma said that it wouldn't just be a solitary experience yeah so as soon as i played dark souls that was the first thing that came to mind was messages definitely Um, and Wind Waker already, you know, as we know, experimented with that, but not in quite the same way because the messages kind of were scattered randomly throughout the world, whereas in Dark Souls, they're placed in a specific place. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, you get a lot of people trolling you in Dark Souls, too, so I uh, look forward to that. And I hope that they bring that kind of feature into, into uh, Zelda U as well. Mm-hmm. So I also have a, a few complaints about Wind Waker that have sort of dragged down the experience a little bit, but, you know, obviously it's, it's a Zelda game. I'm having a blast. But it is way too easy and i kind of forgot how easy it was mm. uh you know i know there's hero mode you can turn on it and make it hard yeah are you playing man, hero mode i i'm not currently i should be i guess because yeah be. <laughs> it didn't take long at all for me to get like three bottles and fill them with fairies and i i'm almost to the end of the game and i haven't used a single fairy yet other than on my ground <laughs> um and particularly i found every single boss was both easy and repetitive. Yep. So that's, and yeah. I know that, that can kind of be a problem in a lot of Zelda games, but I, I really hope Zelda U finds a way to mix it up a little bit so the bosses don't feel so cookie-cutter. I mean, I like the design of a lot of the bosses and the looks, but the battles themselves just kind of is like, oh, okay, I figured out what I need to do, now lather, rinse, repeat, dodge, dodge, yeah. dodge, slash, 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 I'm not taking any damage. Uh, I think the kind of obsession with having the items do something to stun the boss mm-hmm. has really kind of held back the not only the difficulty, but the possibilities for gameplay. Totally. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the bosses, Nintendo like thinks that the bosses feel more creative that way, but sometimes you really just need a boss where it's attacking you constantly and you're supposed to get close and hit it with your sword without dying. Like, right. that needs to well, be Well, they a are thing. more creative that way, but once you've figured out the one thing that makes them creative... Then yeah, the joy just, not, just gets sucked out of the boss. It's not a boss anymore. Yeah. It's just a task. Yeah, it's a chore. Right. And then the one other problem that I've been having with Wind Waker that I really hope doesn't get repeated in Zelda U, especially considering how much focus... In fact, almost exclusively, their focus on Zelda U so far has been like, look at this big, beautiful, open overworld. Like, that's basically all we know about the game. Uh Uh, So, Wind Waker, I don't know, I don't remember if this is like this on GameCube, but I'm getting a lot of frame rate drops on the Wii U. Like, a lot, a lot. Huh. Like, anytime there's, like, fire or explosion or something, like, the game starts lagging. So, I hope that, you know, that's, that's not a problem Nintendo has with a game you know, built from the ground up for Wii U. I hope they do a better Definitely. job of optimizing it because that can, it's, it's not, you know, a deal breaker or anything, but it can, it can kill the immersion a little bit when things yeah. start getting choppy. Nintendo's usually pretty good about frame rate too. So I would imagine that that's more a byproduct of the fact that they had to sort of upscale it to. Yeah. They, they ported it in like six months. So yeah. Cause I don't remember it having any of those issues on GameCube. Maybe I didn't notice them or maybe I'm just forgetting, but I can't for the life of me recall that ever happening. Seeing the problem with like effects on screen affecting frame rate also creep into Twilight Princess HD kind of makes mm-hmm. me huh. a little worried because if they're going to be having the really great things that I think all of us want from Zelda games, like a dynamic day and night cycle, weather cycle mm-hmm. that actually means something, um, a world that doesn't just look like a bunch of colorful shapes, like it's going to need to have those things that are dragging down the frame rate on these ports. But, um, you know, if the Wii U 
I think for Wind Waker, it's one thing because I feel like the original Wind Waker on GameCube did have some slowdown and some pop in as well. Uh, and that, that just kind of mm-hmm. permeated into Wind Waker HD as well. But Twilight Princess was pretty smooth. I don't remember it having those issues. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm hoping this that, that this isn't a problem with Wii U not being able to handle effects just in general. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess I'm up next. Speaking, Alex, of weather effects that don't mean anything, <laughs> I recently played the Final Fantasy 15 demo <laughs> where oh, yeah. you can step on a panel that changes the weather and that's it. I thought, and yeah, that that way that demo is constructed is just really just stupid and silly. Yeah, um, I mean, it looks gorgeous, and hopefully that game comes to NX. It's another game that suffers from this sort of slow combat that we were talking about. Yeah, playing Witcher Three, it makes me, it reminds me of that demo a lot. <laughs> hmm. Um, but obviously, we want to focus on Nintendo games. I know that that one might be coming to NX, but we'll see. Um, like I said, I've been playing way too many games and not nearly enough of any of them. Uh, I'm currently trying to spread my game time across uh, Fire Emblem Fates, uh, Birthright, Pokemon Yellow, Hyrule Warriors Legends, Pokemon Picross, um, I guess Donkey Kong Country 2 on the 3DS Virtual Console, but I haven't touched that in a couple weeks now. Um, At least one more 3DS game that I'm blanking on right now. It was Majora's Mask. That's a sign of how many games I'm trying to do. I mentioned I played some Treasure Tracker. I almost said Treasure Toad Captain Tracker, (laughs) which would be another fantastic game. Um... I've been I've been trying to finish that because I know it's a pretty short game and I have only experienced the first chapter of it, so I'd like to get through it. Um, what else? Um, uh, oh, earlier today I was and last night I was trying to move all of my levels from the media version of Super Mario Maker over to the real version. I had to like set up a capture card and capture you know the editing screen of all the levels. And then watch the video on my computer and make remake them in the real version of the game. And ugh, all of this, and it took like six hours, because my Wii U hard drive is full. And I needed space. Of course it is. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, if, if you're listening and you want to check any of those out, I, you can like put my NNID into Nintendo something bookmark. I don't know how it works. Whatever. Tough luck. Um, um, oh, there's at least one or two more Wii U games. Minecraft? You've been playing Minecraft? Did oh, you Minecraft? yeah. Oh, totally. I So when Minecraft came out for Wii U, first of all, I applied the Waluigi skin to the normal game of Minecraft now so that I can continue my game and still be Waluigi. Um, but I haven't touched that in a couple days because it got to a point where my progress was stalling a little bit. I had to mine a lot, and um, I started out in this really nice place. It's a sort of, I think it was in a swamp. Uh, it's been a long time since I played Minecraft, so I don't remember what all the biomes are, really. Uh, but it was great. There's, like, pigs keep showing up at my door, and cows, and sheep, and stuff. So I've got, like, all these farm animals, and I've got, like, a great you know, area for crops, and I'm surrounded by trees everywhere. There's tons of, like, little ponds of water around me, so... Uh, and I was spawned right on top of this gigantic labyrinth of mines. So it's like everything I could need in Minecraft all right at my spawn point. So I just built a house there, and I've been enjoying the most rich Minecraft experience I've even had yet, uh, just because it was all right there. That Nintendo effect. 
Um, I I really wish that it had gyroscope camera controls. Yeah, like Splatoon does. Cause mm-hmm. I just I don't like twin stick at all. For first person, that is. Um, so I've been playing that, and th- that's a game too that you can just get so lost in Minecraft forever, and it's so yep. addicting. Uh, that I have sort of been trying to exercise some self-control in uh, in that regard and just not let myself get too absorbed in it because I know that there are these other games that I want to play. Minecraft doesn't really have an end to it, so um, I, I feel like it's important to make progress because I also want to play Chrono Trigger. Yes. Like I said, I want to play The Witcher. I got Metal Gear Solid Five. I want to play that. I got Dark Souls 2. I want to play that. Oh, and uh, Shovel Knight's Plague of Shadows campaign is the last Wii U game. I've been contemplating another uh, Chrono Trigger run. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I mean, s- suffice to say, there's... Even if there are no Nintendo games coming out this year, there are so many things that I'm trying to play, and, oh, man, it's just too much. Too much on my plate. I can't... I feel like I can't actually enjoy any of them individually. So that's that's where I'm at. If any of those games strike you as an interesting talking point, I'd be happy to elaborate on where I am and and whatnot. But there's also so many of them that oh, I don't even know where to start. Maybe maybe we let <laughs> the readers de- or readers maybe we let the listeners decide. That's a good idea. So listeners, hit me up on Twitter. I'll give my handle in the outro. But also, I guess it makes sense to do it right now at Colin McIsaac. C O L I N M C I S A A C. Let me know. You know, if if any of those games that I just mentioned strikes you and you want to hear me talk about them more, we can have a game corner next week or the week after. Um, hit me up on Twitter and let me know which of those games you want me to play more of between now and then, and uh, I'll try to do it. That's actually a good way to help me prioritize what to get done. Yep. Democracy. Yeah, way to go, Alex and listeners. Thank you. Well, that sounds like the end. So, everybody, thank you all so much for listening. This is the end of Nintendo Week for today. If you like this podcast, you can subscribe to us on iTunes or subscribe to us on YouTube at Gamnesia TV for bite-sized discussions from the show. And please head to iTunes to leave us a review. We're really working hard to make the show great for you guys, so those iTunes reviews really mean a lot. And they also help a lot of listeners discover the show. So if you haven't done that, please do. It's greatly appreciated. We're at 65 reviews, I think, right now. Let's shoot for 70. Uh, Seems like a good goal. If you have feedback for Nintendo Week, please send it to Colin at Gamnesia.com. That's C-O-L-I-N at G-A-M-N-E-S-I-A. Or you can find me on Twitter at Colin McIsaac, C-O-L-I-N-M-C-I-S-A-A-C. And remember to send your questions about Nintendo, about our show. We love engaging with you guys, and we read them and talk about them here on the show in a couple of different segments we have, so it's a great way to get involved. Again, that's Colin at Gamnesia.com and at Colin McIsaac. And Alex, where can they find you? You can also find me on Twitter at Legend of Lex. All right. If you can't wait till next week for more of our stuff, you can head to Gamnesia.com to see more gaming news as it happens. We got Sony, Microsoft, Indie, you name it, and even Nintendo news that we didn't have the time to discuss on this week's show. On our way out, please enjoy Hoy, Small Fry, a remix of various themes from The Wind Waker by HyperDuck Soundworks. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you have another great week.
by saying they just want to use IP that uh, they want to use IP that people are very well familiar with to make a movie that everyone can enjoy. And that's the that's the end. <laughs> yeah, there's 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 no period in the script notes, so it's a little, yeah. I little was concerned. I I went to the uh, they want to use IP, and I was like, oh, I completely forgot to finish this entire. I I hope I got all the that's stories it. down. <laughs>